Welcome back, everyone, to this latest edition of Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves. You can do so by calling in at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. And in studio, I'm joined by... It's Ian. And I'm your host, Vincent. And we begin the show with breaking news here. Breaking news out of New York State. A recent study from New York State shows roughly 14% of the entire population possess coronavirus antibodies, indicating a staggering number of individuals have already contracted the illness in the past. An estimated and survived it, apparently. Oh, yeah, yeah. And most likely, uh, it doesn't exactly say, but I'm pretty sure it's asymptomatic also. Uh, an estimated 13.9% of the New Yorkers have likely had COVID-19, according to preliminary results of coronavirus antibody testing released by Governor Andrew Cuomo on Thursday, reports CNBC. Quote, what we have found so far is that the statewide number is... Th- tested positive for having the antibodies. What does that mean? It means these were people who were infected and who developed the antibodies to fight the infection, he said. They were infected three weeks ago, four weeks ago, five weeks ago, six weeks ago, but they have had the virus. They developed the antibodies, and they are now recovered. And it's still a uh, developing story, but... I say it's breaking because one just came out today, and also this other article I have here is from L.A., and this one you might have heard already, where... Uh, this, this article is from Reason.com. L.A. County antibody tests suggest the fatality rate for COVID-19 is much lower than people feared. The tests indicate that the number of infections in the country is around 40 times as high as the number of confirmed cases. And yet, what was uh, what were people talking about the death rate, be, the fatality rate being here? And um, let's see, uh, the currently, well, actually, I'll, I'll just begin as they get into it. The current, or one of the projected... Basically, fe- jack squat... And there's not a whole lot of fatalities compared to the number of infections. Oh, yeah, yeah, especially now in light of this new um, new information. But uh, previous estimates, they talked about 4.5%. They talked about, <laughs> yeah, I mean, is four is, yeah. And so I'll just be in preliminary results for antibody tests in Los Angeles County indicate that the true number of COVID-19 infections is much higher than the number of confirmed cases there, which implies that the fatality rate is much lower than the official tally suggests. Mm. The mortality rate Surprise. now has, has dropped Wait a, a minute, wait a minute. Are you saying that the governments inflated these numbers as much as they could possibly get away with in order to scare people into compliance? Well, not the government, Ian, but computer models, right? We can't blame the government. Mm. It's the computer models they use, the same computer model, or at least, you know, the same sort of models that uh, suggested that we'd all be underwater. At least, you know, the East Coast would be underwater by 2020 and that there'd be no ice left on the planet. Um, the quote, the mortality rate has now dropped a lot. Barbara Ferrer, director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health, said at a press briefing today. So this isn't coming from like natural news. This isn't some obscure laboratory like the uh, like from last night's Free Talk Live at uh, the study about the masks. This is from the government itself. And now the number one question I've gotten when I've talked about this is, well, Vincent, why now are you suddenly trusting the government? And well, two two reasons. One, if they lied about like a hundred percent of everything, that would it would be very blatant, right? The worst lies have just a little bit of truth in them to sell it. And also, this is you know these new studies are going against what the main narrative was. And the main narrative was this is the most you know deadly thing. This is this isn't just the flu. This is going to result in thousands of deaths. People are calling it the Trump genocide, saying that Trump well, has it has blood had on his thousands hands. of deaths, and so does the flu. This, I think this is up to over 40,000 deaths in the United States, which would mean that 
it may be a little stronger than last year's flu. But nowhere near as strong as what they initially suggested. Now, it's the here in in contrast with the current crude case fatality rate of about right. weren't four. They, weren't they expecting over hundreds of thousands, like 200,000 or something like that? Oh, I, I saw a number like 2 million deaths originally. Oh, really? Oh, wow. In contrast, well, and, and that's, that's what got people to do the shutdown anyways, right? Just saying, oh, all these people could die. Uh, in the contrast of a current crude case fatality rate of about 4.5%, the study suggests that 0.1% to 0.2% of people infected by the virus will die, which would make COVID-19 only somewhat more deadly than the seasonal flu. So, well, uh, Chicken Little, are you ha- all, all the Chicken Littles, are you happy, right? The economy's, uh, <laughs> the, the economy's down the drain. Total facing- devastation economically. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we, uh, we could be looking at a new depression. We have tons of blue states are, are uh, lo- facing bankruptcy. We're going to get to that soon. Uh, I have an article saying that some parts of the world are facing famine because of this shutdown. Jeez. Uh, was it like t- tens of thousands of people in New Hampshire alone have lost their jobs because of this shutdown? Uh, it's, it's, and all just because people decided to, instead of waiting to see the facts, they trusted the government's computer model. And it's uh, fear. It's just straight up fear. And that's what the government, uh, feeds on. It wants you to be afraid. They want you to be afraid because they want you to think that you need them, right? It's a classic, uh, V for Vendetta speech of they must remember why they need us. And that's what this is all about. Uh, even though, you know, historically people do understand that government politicians are liars for some reason, they believe them if there's a man with a lab coat standing next to him. And it's really sad. Do you want to hear about the letter I got today? Oh, yes, yes. So I don't get a whole lot of letters, okay? Even though I'm on like a talk radio show, it's very rare that people actually like send me things. But within the last f- few days, I've gotten two unusual contacts. One was a voicemail that some guy left on li- – there's an internet affiliate called libertytalk.fm. Uh, so I'm not sure why he sent them the, uh, the voicemail, but he called their voicemail line and left a message basically demanding that I sign some sort of statement saying that I would not accept medical services because I'm refusing to obey all these government edicts about wearing a mask and all this nonsense and staying inside. Then today I got a letter. Oh, and he said he was going to call into the show and demand that we sign the uh, this this particular statement. He has yet to call. Oh, really? Well, please, if, if if you're listening, sir or ma'am, eight fifty five four fifty free F is in freedom. Yeah, right? He, he sounded very angry. Eight five five four five zero three seven three three. If you'd like to uh, call in and speak to Ian or I directly. And then this one came in from a Phyllis B. Preby or Preeb P R I E B E in Raleigh, North Carolina. And this is a letter, uh, handwritten, you know, out, outside on the letter. She didn't have my address, so she just wrote it to Ian Freeman, Genesis Communications Network, Keene, New Hampshire. And it got to me, because, you know, I'm the only Ian Freeman in town, so they probably know. And uh, so at the, the, the top of the letter, which is printed on a computer but signed at the very bottom, there's a little clipped piece of a newspaper. So clearly Phyllis is a newspaper reader. I'm guessing she's older with a name like Phyllis and the fact that she reads a newspaper, right? Because uh, young people don't read newspapers. So she clips out a piece of the newspaper. She tapes it up on the top of the piece of paper. And then underneath that in uh, the text that she printed out says, Ian Freeman, your effing freedom ends where my civil rights begin. <laughs> I have the right, maybe I should read it like an old lady, 
I have the right to exist in this country without your blatant irresponsibility causing my or anyone else's death. If you insist on ignoring standards of behavior for public safety, you are liable for deliberately spreading COVID-19 and should be charged with causing intentional infection resulting in illness or death. Go to hell! In all caps. Deliberately spreading COVID-19. Well, you haven't been tested, right? So, and, and no. you haven't, and as far as you know, you haven't been expressing any symptoms of COVID-19. Your, I mean, your, your big toe hasn't shriveled up. Your uh, your testicles haven't fallen off. You're not coughing. Uh, are those symptoms? I mean, I heard coughing was a symptom, but uh, no, Why? I haven't been. I did uh, several weeks back have a uh, a slight bout of some diarrhea and puking in the middle of an overnight, but that's about it. Well, okay. Uh, I, I haven't seen Vos listed as COVID nineteen. Um, I have. Yet, I mean, but... I've, I've seen I, I've seen a list of symptoms that people who've tested for COVID nineteen have experienced, and like diarrhea was at like three percent or whatever, so it wasn't a common no, no. Uh, symptom, but. Well, and, and I don't know. I'm, I'm actually glad that we were able to read that on the air today because there is just so much hysteria. And this is just from a regular person, right? You know, hundreds yeah, of miles some away. lady reading a newspaper. We're seeing uh, hysteria from governors. We're seeing hysteria from CNN hosts, right? Anyone who anyone who goes against the narrative, they, free, they freak out and lose their minds. And here, um, and here uh, we'll be discussing Mark Zuckerberg. Lockdown protests are misinformation, and Facebook will ban organizers. Oh, yeah. We'll be getting into that, plus your calls at 855-453. Episode Freedom, 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you could do so by calling in at 855-453-F as in freedom. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, we're joined by Minister Ian Freeman. And uh, I'm, uh, I'm Vincent, your host. And before we talk about... The, any sort of reopen America protest getting zucked, Right, as in getting kicked off or getting banned from Facebook. I want to talk to you about local.bitcoin.com. So now Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin Cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin Cash. That's local.bitcoin.com. And so... Here and Verza, it's not just Facebook that's involved in the censorship. Unfortunately, it's a so-called journalistic organization is also involved in it. But this is uh, this article is from Breitbart here. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg says that posts and pages attempting to organize protests against stay-at-home orders will be banned as quote misinformation. So. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not like it's a, a, a Facebook page telling people to take certain chemicals because, oh, this could cure it. It's just people organizing a protest, right, expressing their opinion. How could an opinion be misinformation? The Facebook CEO confirmed that the post would be banned to ABC's George Stephanopoulos on a segment of Good Morning America. 
Stephanopoulos asked Zuckerberg how the company deals with, quote, with the fact that Facebook is now being used to organize a lot of these protests to defy social distancing guidelines in states. If someone trying to organize something like that, does that qualify as harmful misinformation? So already there you have a leading, at least in my view, you know, I'm a a journalism, uh, well, almost a professional. I almost have my degree, just one more month. But I'd say that's that's, that's a leading question there. We do, and so as Zuckerberg replies, quote, we do classify that as harmful misinformation and we take that down, confirms Zuckerberg. Well, at the same time, saying that it's important, quote, that people can debate policies. So there, that's, that's uh, speak, what, what, what do you call in English saying speaking out of both sides of your mouth? Well, he's saying that you can debate on their platform. You just can't organize. Isn't that right? Uh, it's, it seems, it seems that way, Mm -hmm. but, uh, a Facebook spokesperson confirmed to CNN that planned protests in California, New Jersey, and Nebraska were having their pages removed from Facebook at the request of state authorities. Uh. (laughs) Ah. And and so this, uh, gosh, I, I, it's, it's difficult, like. The, the, it's it, for me. It's difficult to make this analogy because I don't know what sort of a you know all sorts of different generations are listening. But there's a show called Recess, uh, and I think it was Disney. And there's this kid who's a tattletale named Randall, right? And he looked mm-hmm. like a rat, and he'd always you know he had like a notebook. Is this and animated? Write, yeah, yeah. It's a cartoon, okay. two uh, 2D animation. He would have a notebook, and he would write down like all the bad stuff people were doing, and immediately go to the teacher and tattle on him. From my from my recollection, I haven't seen the cartoon forever, and so now uh, Oliver Darcy, a uh, I guess some sort of human. Um, well, I'm not I'm not going to insult his looks. He's a, a media tattletale, right? He works for CNN, the most trusted name in fake news. And what this guy does is he goes to uh, he contacts like Google, YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and anytime there's anyone that CNN doesn't like is getting any steam or doing anything on their platforms. He would essentially tattle on them, ask leading questions that eventually ends with them being banned. And so I should have known hmm. he was behind this also. Anti-quarantine protests being organized through Facebook in California, New Jersey, Nebraska are being removed from the platform on the instruction of governments in those three states because it violates stay-at-home orders, Facebook spokesperson Andy Ems tells Donnie. Right. So he's reporting on this also. So I sh- as I said, I should have known. And this is where you have the media, right, or at least the industrial media complex, whatever you want to call it, where the media, the big tech giants, and the government all coordinate in order to stamp out any sort of uh, any sort of opposition. Well, um, you shouldn't be surprised because corporations are creatures of the state. Okay, so when you file to create a corporation, you're asking the state for some sort of a privilege. You're asking them to confer you with this protection of the corporation. So you're asking the biggest corporation, the most immune corporation, the government for the privilege of having your own corporation. Well, one of the rules that comes along with that is your corporation has to do the government's bidding. You have to essentially be a good corporate citizen. And that means following whatever orders the government demands of you. And whether that means getting a a business license or jumping through hoops over here or obeying the OSHA requirements or whatever, or in this case, ensuring that people can't use your platform to violate the law. Now, even though this isn't, you know, constitutional by our perspective, right? Like cracking down on freedom of speech is obviously unconstitutional. Um, from the perspective of the government, they believe that this is legal, right? So they say, oh, well, we've got, yeah, there is that constitution thing, but we got all these emergency statutes that basically say we could ignore that thing. So they just have criminalized 
constitutionally protected activities like assembly, uh, like getting together with other human beings and opposing, you know, using pr- the protest freedom to uh, the freedom of speech to oppose what's going on. Essentially, the argument is from the states that these are illegal and therefore if you are a corporation like a Facebook or a YouTube, or because we've also seen that YouTube's taking down videos that are critical, um, if you are one of these companies, you have to do the bidding of the state. You exist because of the state, and so therefore you are essentially an arm of the state. Uh, absolutely, and one might one would think that like your churches have it. I think I believe yeah, church. Most churches have a tax free exemption under the First Amendment. One would think that all churches are tax exempt. All churches. So one would think that media company or you know the media, which is also protected by the First Amendment, would be a uh, would be a notable exception. Would do, be do but would be one of the four, the front runners to resist this government. Um, yeah, I mean the government's jackboot. But in this case, with a lot of his mainstream media, they don't want to lose access. Even though, like with CNN, as I was ninety ninety percent negative media coverage against Trump, they don't want to lose. They don't want to ask the hard questions. One because you know they're, essentially they're paid shills and the sponsor of. The sponsor of a media company is essentially the owner, and two, they don't want to lose access. If, if someone starts asking too hard questions, then they, they they don't get interviews anymore. Right, and uh, it's it's a shame. I mean, it's a shame, and I and because I've been in this position also where I went writing for the college paper, just doing assignments, and at least in my experience, it doesn't hurt the story. What it does is it hurts the reputation of who refuses to be interviewed mm-hmm. because they obviously have something to hide. But in this case, you know, you're, you don't get as much money for running, you know, commercials or whatever by not having a big interview with these, poli- these um, criminal politicians. So they have to, they just throw freedom down the drain. Uh, and I wonder how long until Trump gets, I mean, if, if Trump is going to be held to these standards because he's on Twitter tweeting, calling on protesters to liberate, quote, Liberate states of Michigan, Minnesota, and Virginia. Also calling on Virginian citizens to say, quote, save your great Second Amendment. It is under siege mm. from the president who uh, said that he's in favor of red flag law, taking the guns first the from bump crazy people. Yeah, to just executive fiat taking the bump stocks. Well, you know, folks, it's worse. It could be Hillary. Yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't buy it. I don't what want to he hear means it. when he says liberate and then fill in the blank state, he just means put in Republicans. That's what he means. He doesn't mean actual freedom. Uh, 855-453. F is in freedom. 855-450-3733. This is Free Talk Live. Bitcoin.com has launched a trading platform at local.bitcoin.com, allowing you to buy or sell Bitcoin cash via dozens of payment methods like PayPal, Venmo, bank deposit, remittances, or meeting in person with cash. There are no ID requirements to sign up for and use the site, and all communications between buyers and sellers are encrypted. Finally, a global trading platform that respects your privacy. Visit local.bitcoin.com to get started trading Bitcoin cash. Local.bitcoin.com All right, welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you can do so by calling in at 855-453. That's F as in freedom, 855-450-3733. In studio, we are joined by... Yeah, it's Ian. And I am your host, Vincent. And before we continue with the collaborator media, I want to talk to you about any, any pay. 
Do you want more businesses accepting Bitcoin Cash and Dash? Now, with any pay, you earn passive income for every purchase at those businesses. Finally, a financial incentive to spread Bitcoin Cash and Dash. You made it happen, so you receive the rewards. Download the AnyPay Cash Register app and add your cryptocurrency wallet addresses. Then, install it at a real-life business and tell us what you did at AnyPayInc.com. That's AnyPayInc.com. So now, Ian, you say you have a uh, you have some articles on the media, more articles on the media kowtowing and submitting to this medical tyranny. Well, in this case, it was actually a morning show uh, couple in Idaho Falls, Idaho. And we actually have a lot to say about Idaho tonight because Idaho's government goons have come out with their reopening plan, or what they're calling. I, the Idaho rebound. Massive asterisks in the corner. Yeah, well, we can get into that in a little bit, but uh, Idaho Falls has a radio station called KID. Now, in radio parlance, the three-letter stations, they're very rare, right? Like, most stations are four letters in their call letters, but KID is one of the three-letter stations, and that means, as I understand it, that the call letters go, like, way back, basically, that they've been around, that set of calls has been been around probably since, like, you know, the very first decade or two or whatever that, that radio existed, and uh, in this case, uh, KID is AM 590. I, of course, call radio stations during the daytime. That's what I do. I, I talk to radio station program directors, and I pitch them on Free Talk Live. So I had spoken with uh, the program director of this station on a number of occasions. Um, he was friendly. He was, I would say, you know, he would consider adding Free Talk Live, but we hadn't gotten on the station yet. And at this point, I don't know if we ever will. Because um, that program director was one of the morning show hosts who took a – he left. They quit. Uh, they resigned in frustration over what the the owner of the station was demanding from them. So here's a story from EastIdahoNews.com. Neil Larson is his name, and Julie Mason, hosts of The Neil Larson Show, say a disagreement with management over how to cover COVID-19 and Governor Brad Little's stay-at-home order forced them to walk away from their highly listened-to political talk program. Quote, we had a difference of philosophy with leadership in the company about how we were covering aspects of the stay-at-home order and the lockdown. We took issue with that, said Larson. He said further, we didn't walk into work this morning thinking this was going to be our last show. We didn't anticipate this. But when we saw the email, took issue with it, and had a conversation later, we realized it was time. Unquote. Larson's referring to an email that he and his co-host received from Richard Meacham the owner of KID News Radio and its parent company, Rich Broadcasting. Meacham detailed 10 examples of what he said he heard on the show last week that were concerning to him. They included the personalities mentioning a mutiny against little stay-at-home order, an invitation for listeners to ignore the order because it isn't being enforced, and other statements that he deemed were, quote, Dangerous. I, I just got to say that as someone who's received plenty of complaints from my terrestrial show, whenever someone says, oh, I, I found that or people found that concerning, it usually means whoever complained just doesn't like it. For sure. Uh, and they didn't want to tell you who the people were. Yes. Right. So they're protecting the complainants. Cowards. The email was sent late Sunday night and the duo saw it before their show on Monday. Once they were off the air, they had a call with Meacham that, quote, didn't go well, said Larson. And then they resigned, cleaned out their desks and left the building. 
Larson and Mason stand by their comments and admit that while they may have said mutiny while discussing protests against the governor, they have, quote, never, ever, unquote, called for mutiny against Little or told their audience to break any laws. So, you know, they're not willing to go as far as we might be here on Free Talk Live, but still, they deserve some credit for at least not completely towing the state line on COVID-19. Larson says, quote, you have a situation where we have the governor's executive authority that is in direct contradiction with our constitutional rights. In some cases, that's okay, and I would defend that. Boo. But we're at a point where people are getting restless. They want to get back to work. They want to get back to the jobs and provide for their families. I think we acknowledge that, and we talked about understanding and people wanting to get back to normalcy. He says the resignation was a culmination of a lot of things, not just this one issue. The personality who's been at the station for nine years said he would never leave a job over just one reason. Despite tough financial times for media outlets, Larson said economic reasons didn't play into their decision. So they were obviously frustrated with this owner. There was more that this was the final straw that broke the camel's back in this particular case. Uh, But, you know, what does the owner have to say? Talk radio's industry publication of note, Talkers.com, Talkers Magazine, has published a editorial piece by Richard Meacham, the president of Rich Broadcasting. He named his company after himself. (laughs) That gives you some idea of who we're dealing with here. And he says... He spent a lot of time monitoring his station, KIDAM, from his office in Salt Lake City. While listening to the station, I heard the following comments. One, Neil and Julie talked about a mutiny against the governor and that Idahoans were preparing to protest at the Capitol. Two, the governor's order is not really an order because it's not enforced. Three, if you're feeling strongly about the need to see someone and your heart is telling you to go see them, do it. Don't worry about an order or social distancing. Four, Uh I'm going to do what I need to do in order to support my family. Would you like to well, comment? Those sickos. I mean, I can't believe they they said that on the public airwaves. Right. They were encouraging people to, like, do their own thing and, and see go their loved ones. See their loved ones. Wow, those radicals. Number five. But this is what made the owner angry, right? He's, he's outlining the things that he had to have a talk with. His, These intolerable acts. Right. Number five. If in your heart you feel like throwing a birthday party for 15 people and you know they're healthy, throw the party. Six, why are cashiers bothering to wear gloves? If they aren't changing the gloves after every transaction, what good is it doing? Well, that's co- that's common sense. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that makes absolute sense. It's even what the government says. Seven, later today we'll be conducting a frustrating interview with Governor, governor Little. Eight, why do nail salons and other similar businesses need to stay closed? Nine, complaining and or making fun of people who are wearing masks or gl- and gloves. I'm not going to wear a mask, and if I happen to cough at a store, it's not my fault if Grandpa dies. <laughs> okay, so, so may, I don't know. He, he didn't do, do himself any favors by phrasing it like that, I have to say. And then number 10, I'm fortunate to have a job that has not needed to reduce my compensation. So these are the issues that the man who owns the station took, and then he wrote out 10 responses uh, to those. Number one was the one about a mutiny. His response is, a mutiny against the governor and his stay-at-home order? order? Mutiny? Based on the overall tone of the show, it came across as if you were advocating for our listeners to mutiny against the governor. Okay, so this oh. is actually the email he sent to them. Uh, oh, I went t- back and... I just want to say tone. That's another. I'm getting deja vu. Tone is another one of these like very loose terms that they use. I mean, just mm-hmm. just when they don't like the overall theme, they just say, uh, "Oh, your you know your tone was discerning." When they can't really find anything wrong with anything exactly what someone said. 
He says, I went back and listened to the podcast to see if I'd misinterpreted the comment or was taking it out of context. I don't think so. So he is just angry that how dare his morning show hosts dare to talk about going against what our governor has demanded. Uh, He says here, number three, which was the one about feeling strongly to go see your family. He says, if your heart is telling you the governor is wrong, then the stay-at-home orders for everyone but me and my family and the social distancing doesn't apply to me. I'm going to do what my heart tells me to do and the hell with the governor. So I'm just going to skip past his numbered responses. And then he says, my thoughts going forward. He says, I listen to KSL and the sports talk stations a lot in Salt Lake City. They do interviews twice an hour with clients that are struggling and talk about what their client listeners can do to support them. They're doing the best of, to lift their audience and support their clients and partners, while KID uses terms like mutiny and tells our listeners why they do not have to support the governor slash President Trump slash the medical specialists, etc. So let me, I'll give you the rest of this here. Yeah, so I mean, it's, and I'm assuming he owns those other, uh, those yeah. other stations. Um, no, actually, I'm not sure about that. I was going to say, you know, advertising another station, but you know, comparing it, I mean, well, that's what talk radio is for. I mean, it's to be a stalwart against what everyone else is saying. That's, well, anyway, so we'll get into it. Uh, coming up, this is Free Talk Live, 855-453, Ephesus and Freedom, 855-450-373. Welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves. You can do so by calling in at 855-450-FREE, F-R-E-E. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, we're joined by... It's Ian. And I'm Vincent, your host. And now, we were talking about this uh, this, this uh, with network owner... and I who, Station owner. Sta- okay, station owner. Um who's responded who one had to let go his morning hosts for daring to have a different opinion regarding and speak out against this corona lockdown hysteria and he was he was outlining some of his reasoning here so ian i think you said you had more to that story yeah uh the company is called rich broadcasting it appears to own five stations all of them are in idaho Uh, This one that we're talking about is KIDAM, which is the talk station at uh, AM590 based in Idaho Falls. And the morning show hosts, Neil Larson and Julie Mason, resigned what seems like in frustration and disgust over this uh, owner. And it's his station, so, you know, he gets to say what he wants, right? Uh, but he didn't like, the owner didn't like some of the things that uh, Larson and his co-host were saying on their morning show. He wrote an email outlining 10 different things that he heard that he wasn't happy about, including them talking about a mutiny against the governor, protesting at the Capitol, going out anyway despite the lockdown orders to see your loved ones and such, um, going to a nail salon or reopening them and that sort of thing. And so he wrote a, a lengthy response to them. I skipped past the sort of the nu- numeric responses where he just responds to each thing that he didn't like. And I'm getting to the general statement of his frustration. He says, I may be one of the most frustrated stay-at-homers in America. Again, this is the email he sent to his morning show hosts. He says, I can't drive to my business slash investment. I can't hire anyone. And I'm watching our sales go down the toilet. By the way, that's another issue that a lot of companies are having in the media business is how do you get an advertiser to sign on with you if their customers can't come to their business? So basically, advertising-based businesses like newspapers and radio and television stations are in a really difficult time right now. 
Well, and he's not doing himself any favors by getting rid of his morning talent, which it seems like they, they'd been established. Right? Getting rid of his morning talent. Well, and, actually, I mean, that's less money that he's got to pay out. Yeah, but it'd be less people. Uh, you know, They have to build up the audience again for with new hosts. True. Um, he could flip to a syndicated morning show, at least in the, the meantime, and keep his costs down. But anyway, he says, in the meantime, I had a daughter-in-law and a grandson to s- celebrate birthdays. We drove to their homes, left presents on their porch, and had a great visit from the car. Wow, how sad is that? I mean, how pathetic. Absolutely. Too, and, and he's defending it, too. It's Stockholm Syndrome. You're too afraid to even go give your own family members a hug. My God. He says, I hate where we are as a country right now, and I'm going to wash my hands, maintain appropriate social distance, and stay away from groups. One more heart comment advocating for our listeners to fly in the face of the governor's order will be the last time. So he does threaten them here, and he says, if you make a similar comment you're going to be fired. He says, I don't want to see a response to this email, and I expect to hear a major shift in the tone of the morning show. KID is not a Neil and Julie station. It's a rich broadcasting station. You said you didn't want to have to report to an operations manager. With autonomy comes exceptional exceptional accountability. I'm going to continue to monitor on a daily basis. If a more structured reporting system is needed, it will be implemented immediately. So then he says, they saw the email at 6 a.m. and resigned at 6.15. A good for them. That is the most control freak email I have ever seen. I come from a family of them. Uh, you know, well, first off, why didn't he just pick up a phone or meet? Well, I was going to say, why didn't he meet them in person and do this? Okay, so I just, stupid question. I mean, like via an email and also saying I don't want to see any replies. Like, why not a phone call? You know, something where you could like get a, well, get a dialogue going. He says he wanted to talk to them. He does say further in this uh, letter to Talkers Magazine that Neil and Julie resigned from KID voluntarily. They were not terminated. Frankly, they were invited to meet over lunch to discuss the show going forward. To meet over lunch, as in person. <laughs> right, to violate where was he going to meet him if he's staying home uh but either way the point being he was saying he was willing to talk to them but it's not like he was willing to let them have their opinions okay he was going to tell them it is going to be this way or you're going to not be on the morning show anymore and they decided they would rather not be on the morning show anymore than obey this man's diktats now i wanted to bring this up here and again it's his company he can run it however he wants but he got rid of his morning show host who he had there at the station for about a decade over their viewpoints on this issue so i want to say kudos to uh to neil larson and his co-host julie there uh for you know standing with some level of principle on this now by no means were they you know they, they've they're denying that they advocated people go out and, and break the law where i would say if it's a bad law it should be broken and uh, but nonetheless they do they do deserve some credit for this so we weren't the only show that has been punished uh in the radio business for this because we lost a station two weeks ago i think now at, at this point uh one of our stations in wisconsin dropped us and sent us an email where it was kind of a very similar uh, wording of like, here's just a little bit more here from the, the owner. Quote, KID was granted a license by the FCC to broadcast, quote, in the public's best interest, unquote. As long as the governor of the state of Idaho has requested that citizens adhere to the stay-at-home order, social distancing, better hygiene, etc., it is, quote, in the public's best interest, unquote, to clearly follow those guidelines. So anything that deviates from the government's demands that have been put forth is a violation of his, in his mind, his right to broadcast in, or his privilege in this particular case to broadcast. Because whenever you ask for permission to do something, you aren't exercising a right. 
you're asking for a privilege to be granted. You're asking for a favor. And so these owners are actually worried at some level that the FCC will come after their license for this. That's what really has this. I mean, beyond the how this appears to the governor and you don't want the governor to be mad at you, what you were talking about before, right? Like where you don't get the interviews. Beyond that, I think the owners themselves feel like their entire station is in jeopardy because someone is having a contrary viewpoint to the government. That's what this is coming from. And does the government have power to, like, wouldn't that be overreach or some violation of First Amendment if they did decide to go after these stations because uh, they were, weren't going, or not, not like weren't going along with it, but were advocating people and don't go along with it? It could be if it went to court and they were victorious and no. the, uh, you know, the stations were victorious, but most of them probably aren't going to take that route they don't have do what they're told they don't have a time yeah most people have neither the time nor money to do that and i mean for me it's interesting that both this this took place in idaho or you have the first one story you read it took place in idaho then the uh, station that dropped us was in wisconsin those places are having some of like they're not even the epicenters of this i'd understand like Mm -hmm. a station in california or new york or florida but i mean in uh, I, I, flyover country is is a, a derogative term, and so I'm trying to find something uh, better better than that in the Midwest, I guess. Like you know, in these Midwestern or Middle America, right? Middle Middle America, uh, and that's. I mean, I guess I wonder if like the fear from the coasts is spreading inwards. That's very unfortunate. Uh, anything else to that? I mean, that was basically the story. Um, I don't know where these hosts are going to pop up again. It's hard as hell to find jobs in radio these days, yeah. um, media jobs in general. A lot of stations are furloughing employees and laying off employees and cutting employee salaries as well. So they've come. Some of these, um, you know, corporate companies have come to their employees and said, "Look, you can keep your job here, but you're going to have to cut your pay." We're going to cut you by, uh, you know, your, your pay is going to be cut down to 90% or 85% or something like that. So, you know, a lot of people are faced with that decision of, do I love this job enough to actually have my pay reduced to keep it? And that's been going on since even before coronavirus, at least in, in, in media and radio. Because I, I, uh, my, my degree is in multimedia journalism, so I could do it. I could do print, TV, radio. But when I express interest in radio, it was always a... Uh, just sort of like a depressing. It was it was always like a depressing hunt where I'd say where like terrestrial and, and I I'm not I'm as I said you know I'm not an expert in the medium as you are Ian or, or at least not as well versed. But I I just want to voice my appreciation for talk radio because back when like if it wasn't for talk radio I never would have gotten outside of what the public schools taught me because mm. like you know my because you know, I grew up listening to to uh you know conservative talk radio with my father and you know he had that before Fox News and it's really important I mean no matter what orientation a state you know a, a talk show is if it's you know libertarian if it's like democrat or republican or you know leftist or right wing uh talk radio always gave people like the freedom one to call in that you don't really have for most tv shows and i think this is sad that shows that you know uh, talk radio is um absolutely under siege if you have station managers and owners just bowing to the pressure of a government and supporting the very lockdown that is fervor. It's like just another That's nail in their the business. Co- yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just another nail in the coffin. And so one would, you know, I, I would think that talk radio would be absolutely up in arms. There's plenty of like at least a big talk radio host, and they're blaming right wing talk radio for a lot of these shutdown protests. Speaking of coming up, you wouldn't guess which head of state of a major country is actually joining. An anti-lockdown protest. 855-450-FREE. This is Free Talk Live. 
I've had bluefern Amazon parrots and cockatiels and finches and cats and a little Lhasa Apso, a Maltese, she's like 22, a yellow lab Floyd, a black lab Murphy. Murphy's coat, it's very, very shiny, like it sparkles in the sun. And I'm also a part-time dog trainer, so I will always endorse Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Why wait until your dog is shedding like a monster? Save your dog from the agony, the misery of being stinky and having hot spots and shedding and making sure that they have the proper nutrition. The omega-3 fatty acids. Flaxseed, zinc, alfalfa, the digestive enzymes that are cooked out of regular dog food. Get them started early. I mean, your dogs will love you for it. My dogs do puppy zoomies around the house. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Free Talk Live. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves. You can do so by calling in at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, we're joined by... Yeah, it's Ian. And I'm Vincent, your host. And before we get into which head of state joined an anti-lockdown protest, we go to the Discord call-in lines, where we have Christian anarchists waiting patiently. Uh, thank you for the call. What's on your mind? Hey, guys. Yeah, I wanted to uh, share a little inside information that I have. All right, let's uh, hear it. Of course, of course, we have to keep it anonymous because it does involve uh, patient data. But in our little county here, we've had three corona virus deaths for quite a while. Uh, you know, if you're looking at the statistics on the John Hopkins website. Mm-hmm. So uh, a few days ago, because we have access to our own patient records, we have a patient who was was dying. He was on hospice, dying of um, Alzheimer's. And they suspected that he had coronavirus. So they put in their suspected of coronavirus in his chart, but then they did a coronavirus test, which came back negative. Okay. And, but, but once you have that in your medical chart that says you're suspected that you have coronavirus, that continues forever. See, that's the nice thing that about the new electronic medical records. Once something's in your chart, you can never get rid of it. doesn't matter how, you know, it's there forever. You will never get rid of it. Anyway, I just kind of had a suspicion that if I watched the website, uh, the John Hopkins website, we were going to see our death count for coronavirus go up by one. And sure enough, today, our death count went up by one. I'm, I don't have solid evidence yeah, you to prove. can't say for sure that it was the same guy. I can't say for sure that it was the same guy, but I'll bet you any money. Mm. I mean, it's, there's, it's not a big county here. I'll mm-hmm. bet you any money that this is the one. And even though his test comes back negative because they suspected he had, uh, you know, symptoms that match coronavirus, which also match flu, which also map, match the common cold, that they're going to count it as a coronavirus death. And then I see the count go up by one. 
I so put you're two calling and, and two BS. Together. You're calling BS on a lot of these government numbers. Numbers that, as you pointed out, Vincent, earlier in the show tonight, are already uh, just on their own fairly low when you look at them in comparison to other viruses and things like that. But you're saying, Gene, that these numbers, these low numbers that the government are even presenting, are themselves padded and inflated. I suspect so. And when you've got somebody who's on hospice, you know, for people that don't realize what hospice is, hospice is when you're being treated because you're dying. Right. And you're not being and you're not being treated for your underlying conditions at all. Whatever you if you have cancer or heart disease or whatever, you don't treat those conditions at all because you've already come to the conclusion that you're You're dying. dying. Yeah. So all that all that you're treated for when you're in hospice is pain control, pain management. Right. So you get you get a lot of those, uh, you know, powerful painkillers, morphine and things like that, so that it just keeps the pain under control. Now, I would like to point out and, you know, some people don't like hospice. They say, oh, well, you're just letting people die. No, you're actually it's a very, very. uh, uh, What what, word am I? Compassionate. Compassionate. Yes, it's a very compassionate way to treat the the phase from life to death because a mm-hmm. hundred years ago if you had some of these conditions cancer etc you're going to die in some of the most miserable pain you can imagine yeah. so the last the last breath of your life is in unimaginable pain so uh, hospice will actually manage that pain and give people a, a a peaceful passing from this life now I believe that. There's another life after this one. So you go on to another life. It's nice, I would imagine. I mean, I haven't died yet, but I I would think that... I'm curious to... uh, I'm I'm just curious to ask back to the... uh, Back to coronavirus. So you suspect that... The that 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 ver just adding superfluous uh, deaths and saying that's coronavirus. Why would they do that when I think it was I saw that like faking a death certificate or you know they, they could get in trouble for fraud or at least there'd be a, a large controversy. So why do you think for taking hospitals are taking that risk? Well, it's not a risk really because when if you're a doctor and you write a death certificate, you're basically just using your medical judgment as to what you thought was the the. The, the final nail in the coffin. Mm-hmm. Some of these people have a lot of conditions. You know, they'll have heart problems and kidney problems and all these other different things. And ultimately, every person dies from heart failure because your heart stops beating and then right. you're dead. You know, so when you write those things out, nobody, nobody takes a fine tooth comb over these death certificates. They just, nobody has the time. Nobody really cares. And do, so don't hospitals thinking, get money too for... Uh, for each COVID death, like the government gives them more, hands out a bigger check for uh, each COVID nineteen mm. death. That, that's one of the allegations I've been hearing as to why the numbers I, might be inflated. I don't know if you know anything I, about that. Yeah, I kind of doubt that's the case, but uh, you know there might be some grant money or something. But I doubt that they're getting any money just straight for certain kind of deaths. Mm-hmm. But, All right. Well, thank you. Uh, thank you for the call, Christian Anarchist. Appreciate yeah, it's interesting the- having somebody who works in a doctor's office full time reporting in like that. So yes, thanks yes. for that. Yeah, absolutely. Greatly appreciate it because, uh, and I think it's important, you know, we could we could talk all day about this and what we've seen in one study or seen in another study, but what people really listen to are people who wear white lab coats. So we need to, uh, maybe, I don't know, maybe we should just get some white lab coats, get some sheets, you know, put it on. People will listen to us more uh, and, you know, trust us. 
Uh, but anyways, yeah, always appreciate. I'm not interested in pandering to uh, people's beliefs and authority. But you're right. That's what people fall for. They fall for that stuff. Whether it be a man with a badge and a uniform or a man in a lab coat or a man in a suit, uh, that stuff works on people. Well, Ian, you know what you should do is you should go and get a uh, was a de- not a degree, something uh, become a doctor of chiropractic, so you could legally call yourself Doctor Ian. Oh, there was actually a couple of talk show hosts in Florida, South Florida, back when Free Talk Live started on Real Radio in in Sarasota, where I'm from. There was another Real Radio station in West Palm Beach, and they did a show called The Love Doctors, and they referred to themselves as Doctor Rich and Doctor Glenn. And were they actually doctors? Well, the names of the, or the this whole doctor thing went back to they went to like a resort in Jamaica and they became honorary doctors of love or like <laughs> they got doctorates in love or something from some, you know, fly by night school or whatever. So they were technically doctors from that perspective, but they weren't medical doctors or doctors of, you know, psychology or anything like that. Very interesting. So anybody can be a doctor if that's what they want to do. So maybe we could get to Shire Free Church to have like doctorates in freedom so I could be Dr. Moore. Well, the Shire Free Church is a decentralized organization. So, I mean, if you want to do that, I suppose you could. Um, so, all right. Well, don't give me any ideas. I already have too many projects on my plate and too many scams going. But uh, so I've teased it. And uh, I don't know, Ian, would you guess, right? Would you, would you be able to guess which head of state actually joined an anti-lockdown protest? Brazil's president. You saw. I screen. haven't seen the story. That was seriously <laughs> a guess. Okay. Well, yes, it is. It is because he's been one of the most vocal uh, against these lockdowns. He's or not the lockdowns specifically, but against all of the provisions that governments have been forcing. Oh, on absolutely. People. He allegedly he was one of the first people to contract or first uh, heads of state to uh, you know allegedly contract the coronavirus. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Oh, yeah. And people were giving him grief because you know he was coughing when he was at the uh, the protest. This is from. CNN, Brazil President Jair Bolsonaro defends joining anti-lockdown protests. And I've never heard, at least in this uh, this century, like a head of state joining a protest, right? You'd see Chuck Schumer outside some like at uh, some abortion rally mm-hmm. or you'd have you know, certain, uh, I think uh, Trump went to an anti-abortion rally, but um, never like it, just an outright picket line protest. So uh, Brazilian President Jair Bolsonaro has defended his participation in a public protest against coronavirus lockdown measures, saying that he was not calling for military action against the country's other branches of government. <laughs> what a weakling salad. Oh my god, I have lost all Sunday's protest, which was held in Brasilia outside the army's headquarters. Okay, now I understand why people, uh, that might be um, uh, controversial. Outside the army's headquarters gathered dozens of Bolsonaro supporters wearing the country's emblematic yellow and green. Large signs including one reading military in intervention with Bolsonaro in power were visible in a live stream of the event posted to the president's personal Facebook page. And now this reminds me of another movement in the United States calling for Trump to take full military dictatorship power, which we'll get into on the other side. 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. Welcome back, everyone, to to Free Talk Live. Hold on. All right. Welcome back. We'll do it live. Welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves. You could do so by calling in at 855-450-FREE. That's F-R-E-E. F is in freedom. That's 855-450-3733. And in studio, we are joined by... It's Ian. And I'm your host, Vincent. And now we're going to continue talking about... 
Jair Bolsonaro, president of Brazil, have, attending a protest against the lockdown in front of the army headquarters uh, featuring protesters holding signs demanding military intervention with Bolsonaro in power. And now, you know, granted, it, it very well could be uh, a plant or it could have been just like many of like just one person there that, that looked like that because... In the United States, what our lying media does is they would see like one person, like there'd be like a freedom protest, and they'd see uh, one person with a Confederate flag or dressed as a Nazi, and all the cameras are on them while all the regular people right. are. And I mean, even in some of the more, like if they can't find someone wearing a Confederate flag or, or being an agitator, they just cover all the, you know, the, all the pro-Trump signs, and they leave out, you know, the rest of the people who are at these lockdown rally, uh, anti-lockdown rallies. Protesting the um, pro- protesting it. So, although with with Brazil, you know, I mean, the history of Brazil and man, unfortunately, many South American countries, their uh, you know, military coups and dictatorships are. Um, I mean, it's very, I, I like they're not often, but it's. I, I'm trying to find the words here. It's more uh, common than one would think. You know, just being from the United States, uh, there'd be like bloodless coups where the military would just show up, and it's all around the world too, right? You know, in the United States, we're lucky, or it's it's somewhat of an uh, maybe not lucky, but politicians it's somewhat, are lucky that doesn't happen here. Exactly, yeah, it's somewhat of an anomaly, at least for now, that v- there's been always a pe- at least on on the outside a peaceable transfer of power. Yeah, I have to wonder what would happen you know we've seen some of these protests in the in the u.s uh there was one in austin over the weekend there was one in new hampshire as well uh that we went to how far are these people willing to go like americans aren't used to doing much more than going out and waving some signs and calling their politicians but if they keep going out and nothing changes where are they going to go from here? What are the next steps going to be? Are they actually going to step out and take a risk uh, like Shelley Luther did in Dallas, where WFAA is reporting that she's risking a possible fine and jail time? A Dallas salon owner says she's reopening tomorrow. Quote, we're about to lose everything and we haven't gotten any help, so I had to make a decision. And this is what I've been saying this whole time is, hey, business owners, I understand that you're afraid. I understand that the government goons are scary and they are threatening you. But if it's going to come down to you losing your business because you can't pay the rent because you aren't allowed to be open and you've lost your employees and you're losing your customers, you got to do something at some point and it sounds like some people are finally willing to step up and take a risk absolutely it's it's like the saying you either was you could either um die was you you could either live on your knees or die on your feet exactly and i think it's good even though this this is a uh what it's it's not the most dramatic thing right just opening your store for business but i think this is um at least in this case it's 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 revolutionary uh in this time where Business. That's how crazy. I mean, what you're saying there, Vincent, is how crazy of a of a uh, bizarro world we're living in, where just opening your business is now a revolutionary act. Getting together and hanging out at Central Square, you know, as we're doing every Friday night here in Keene at the Keene Nightcaps, is civil disobedience to just simply get together and hang out. 
Now, we're adding open container to it, so it's extra civil disobedience. But nonetheless, um, these sort of normal things that we take for granted are now civilly disobedient acts that are being pushed back against not only by government goons, but also by normal people who now normal means locking yourself away in your home and staying away from people, whereas the things that, you know, we're by no means considered to be normal prior to this, but now the things we're doing are what normal people used to do, generally, like get together and hang out, and now we're criminals for doing that. It's true. I'm glad you bring that up. It is such a role reversal, where Mm -hmm. before before this whole corona hysteria, I was a paranoid one. I was the germaphobe. I was the misanthrope. You know, I I spent a lot of time inside, and now, you know, now that we're forced to be inside, I want to go outside. I don't care about germs anymore. Whatever happens, you know, I guess I sort of lost a decent amount of paranoia becoming a Christian. You know, whatever happens, happens. Here's another question in, you know, on this Dallas story, and I've got two other stories about other barbers and and haircutters that are planning on reopening because the one thing i've heard more from anybody else from everybody in this situation people that are staying home or whatever is like hey we're, we're gonna get a haircut there's a lot of people asking that question a what a haircut what's that well yeah but <laughs> i never uh, heard of it uh some people would like to have one and all hair salons are closed and hair cutter you know professional barbers and and stylists are afraid to go back to work or afraid to even go to their customers' homes, like do an in-call job or have their customers come to them because they're worried the state regulators are going to find them. But in this case, um, is Luther, Shelly Luther. She's owned a, a Dallas salon called Salon a la Mode for three years, and she told WFAA she's aware of the risks she's taking and added if she doesn't open up, there won't be a salon for her or her staff to return to. Quote, I can't afford to not stay open, and my stylist can't afford to stop working anymore. We're about to lose everything and haven't gotten any help, so I had to make a decision. A uh, Dallas County judge, according to WFAA, Clay Jenkins made the decision to close salons, massage parlors, tattoo parlors, nail salons, and barbershops on March 22nd. This is a judge in his executive order. I didn't know judges could write executive orders. They're not executives, are they? Uh, Any business in violation can face a misdemeanor punishable by a fine not to exceed $1,000 or jail time not to exceed six months. The fine print in Jenkins' order is well known to Luther. She says, quote, I'm prepared to take on whatever it is that comes with this, unquote. Like many business owners in Texas who are forced to close, she's bleeding cash. Prior to this, she had three jobs, musician, makeup artist, and stylist. The single mother has lost all three jobs as a result of, now they say COVID-19, but it's not COVID-19. It's this judge. It's these governors. It's these government goons. She revealed to WFAA she chose to pay the lease for her business this month instead of her own home's mortgage. So she had to choose one or the other. Do you pay your business lease? Or do you pay your own mortgage? She says, quote, I don't want to cause any problems, but when you're out of money, someone has to stand up and say they're not helping us by not letting us work, she said. So she's planning on reopening under strict guidelines on Friday. She said there will be sanitizing stations and that clients wouldn't be able to come in unless they wear a mask. So by no means is this woman doing like freedom salon stuff. She's trying to appease the regulators. She's like, look, we got masks. We've got sanitizing stations. Please let me reopen. So you know, I, it would be it would be a shame but ironic if they shut her down anyways, despite all of it. I, I wonder if that'll factor into a cop's decision 
or city of a city busybody's decision. The cops are going to look at it. They're going to look at her being open and say, you're not allowed to be open by the governor's order. You will close or else. It's absolutely sick. We're we're not turning into a police state, but police state is here. 855-453. This is Free Talk Live. The next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you'll be able to send, earn, spend, and exchange digital money in seconds. Send money around the globe with only a swipe. Instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with crypto. Multi-tiered masternodes allow everyone to partake in the network. Visit DiviProject.org. DiviProject.org. Welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you could do so by calling in at 855-453-F is in freedom. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, we're joined by... It's Ian. And it's me, your host, Vincent, and I want to talk to you about Divi. Now, the next generation wallet is coming from Divi. In just a few taps, you will be able to spend earn, store, and exchange digital money in seconds. Divi says you'll be able to send money around the globe in only a swipe and instantly exchange between Divi, Bitcoin, and Fiat right in the mobile app and withdraw directly to your bank account. There's no need to wait, though, as Divi already offers the first one-tap solution for earning passive income with the their multi-tiered masternodes allowing anyone to earn by supporting the Divi network. When the new Divi wallet launches, because of Divi's relationship with Western Union, Divi will be in 200 countries, including the United States. You can learn more at DiviProject.org. That's D-I-V-I Project.org. And so before we uh, begin, actually I have this article here about to begin. Task Force members sent Burks, otherwise known as Scarf Lady, to convince Trump to denounce Kemp's Georgia reopening decision, source says. And Trump now has denounced, um, the, at least last I checked, he has denounced the Georgia Republicans' Republican governor's decision to reopen business. But before we get to that, waiting patiently. On the line is Surf Daddy calling in from Ventura, California. Welcome. Thank you for the call. What's on your mind? Hey guys, how you doing? What's up? Good. Hey, hey. Uh, I want to let you know that I'm still out surfing. So are my sons. Nice. So is my daughter's roommate. In in an egregious act of civil disobedience out here. Oh, you <laughs> criminal! You you you! Oh my God! Terrorizing you! You all, well? How could you justify spreading all these deadly germs and viruses to all these old people? What do do you hate old people? Uh, well, what about the dolphins, man? <laughs> the dolphin? Oh, co- is, is COVID nineteen? I first heard about was dogs, <laughs> now cats. Don't tell me our, our our mammalian friends, our aquatic mammalian friends, the dolphins are getting COVID nineteen. <laughs> Gosh, I hope not. Uh, but uh, no, I just this this situation is really surreal. Um, yep. I went into Costco this morning, and there's a loudspeaker outside, like something out of a movie with, you know, the announcement saying the CDC recommends that 
you do this and all these guidelines that are over this loudspeaker, a big loudspeaker outside. It's, it's such a, we live in George Orwell's movie right now or Orwell country. This is like beyond anything my imagination ever I thought it's crazy. It really is crazy. And so have you had any worries about because I saw or at least on my evening show questioning authority, I played a I saw footage of like uh, this surfer who's just this surfer surfing alone on the beach. And he was surrounded by police boats, by a helicopter, by cops uh, and and was uh, detained. So are are you when you go out surfing, are you worried about uh, that sort of response? Well, no, I mean, that was down down in Malibu, which is probably an hour south. but. no, uh, to be honest, the, the cops I know, the, the, none of them want to enforce this stuff. Um, it, most of them are just uh, won't do it, to be honest. But uh, obviously, there's down there in L.A., there's a few. But, um, you know, they're, they're just following orders. We've heard that before, right? Oh, yes. Unfortunately, way too many times. Uh, is there anything else you'd like to add? Nah, just sharing my experience. Great show today. And, uh, you know, this woman in Dallas, I think that's what, the, yeah. what you were just talking about. Yeah, the salon you know, owner. Yeah, she, she's a hero. I she's agree. A hero. I agree. And that's all. I mean, she's just trying to run her business, you know, and she's going to do her best. She's going to open tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. So I'm going to make a note and we'll uh, see if we can follow up maybe Saturday and see what the news is, uh, see if they left her alone or if they sent the, you know, the police SWAT team and put a stop to this. Uh, the, the surf SWAT team. Oh, uh, thank you for. Uh, I got to mix up. Thank you for the call, Surf Daddy. You know, he mentioned. Was it he who mentioned Georgia, or you that mentioned Georgia? Oh, uh, we're about to get into Georgia. Okay, what's what's the news there? So uh, this is. Uh, I, I just want to say for the people who are saying like, oh yeah, Trump is you know Trump is playing five D chess. He's. Uh, <sighs> He's, you know, he's he's uh, maneuvering the Democrats into destroying themselves. Well, and, you know, Trump, who was saying to talk about liberating all these states like Michigan that had these uh, open American protests. Well, I mean, he, he tweeted that to liberate it. Yeah, but, but now, note, so when note the- that he did not tweet liberate New Hampshire. There was a huge protest in New Hampshire. Very good. Why didn't he tweet that? Because it's all about politics. He said, liberate Minnesota, liberate Michigan, liberate whatever the other one was. They were all states with Democrat governors. Didn't say liberate New Hampshire. And uh, from what I recall, Sununu was never pro-Trump. He was, I think he had to go along with it when Trump mm. was elected. But so, I mean, it's, it's. Uh, I don't want to call it like a misplaced sense of loyalty, but I think just Trump doesn't care. And as evidence here, this is from CNN, this was published today. Members of a coronavirus task force had to convince President Donald Trump. And now, I, I, mind you, this is from CNN, the most trusted name in fake news. So, uh, you know, take it with a grain of salt. They always have these anonymous sources uh, so they had to convince President Donald Trump to change his view on Georgia's Republican governor's decision to reopen businesses in his state later this week, a source close to the task force told CNN. But knowing the kind of people on a task force, I don't doubt that they would leak this to CNN. At a meeting before Wednesday's briefing, task force members discussed the likelihood of being asked about Governor Brian Kemp's controversial move to open up many businesses, such as nail salons and bowling alleys, the source added. I gotta say, if bowling alleys you know everyone touches via the balls right they, they share the ball uh-huh. so that's uh, that's a source to uh, spread the virus um, oh well i've got the list of requirements in order to reopen not the bowling alleys but a restaurant in georgia so it, when you're ready absolutely uh, trump has been publicly encouraging the country to the, excuse me the, the count 
Is it the county? See, counties, countries, counties. Even, even in the face of his own administration. Okay, so country. They just, mm-hmm. Great proofread. Well, whatever. I mean, if the journalistic integrity is already you know that, that low, I, I, why should they bother proofreading it? Um, even in the face of his own administration's guidelines released last week that outlay benchmarks that few regions of a country have met. On Tuesday, when asked about Kemp's decision, Trump had said, he's a very capable man, he knows what he's doing, he's, he's done a good job, a very good job as governor. During the meeting, Dr. Anthony Fauci and other task force members said if scientists were not in agreement with Trump on the Georgia issue during the news conference, it would pose a problem. Quote, because, yeah, our country is run by scientists, not by the people and for the people, right? Quote, I cannot defend this publicly, Fauci, although he, he has a way slimier voice, but he, he, he seems like a point dexter, so I'll use my point dexter voice. Fauci said to others at the meeting, the source said, members of a group agreed it was necessary to attempt to change Trump's mind on the subject. They then asked Dr. Deborah Burks, and she's, as I said, you know, the lady who has that, that scarf on, even though it's not cold inside. The panel's coordinator to try and convince Dr. Trump... Karen. Yeah, yeah, it's a good point, actually, Doctor. <laughs> to try and convince Trump to oppose Kemp's move, she had a private meeting with a president. Trump had a private. I'm not going to make that joke with a president just prior to the news conference and successfully convinced him to denounce Kemp's decision. Trump's public stance on Kemp marked an about face. Just the day before, on Tuesday, Trump and Vice President Mike Pence told the Georgia Republican via telephone that they supported his decision on reopening the state and praised his work as governor, according to a separate source of knowledge on the call. But the president, around the time Burks met with Trump, had a second call with Kemp, according to two sources, two, oh, two sources, two anonymous sources familiar with the situation. This call was brief and struck an entirely different tone than the first. Trump asked the governor to slow down his reopening plan, to which Kemp said no, according to the sources. The president said he'd call Kemp back later to discuss, but never did. To the relief of the members of a task force, Trump proceeded to say he disagreed with Kemp's decision during the Wednesday evening briefing. I told the governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, that I disagree strongly with his decision to open certain facilities which are in violation of a violation of a phase one guidelines for the incredible people of Georgia. Trump said I was sugarcoating them with a compliment that time. Mm. He suggested he would intervene, if, intervene if he saw, quote, something totally egregious. White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McGaney denied... He just denied, does whatever he wants. When they denied that Trump had changed his position. No one changed Trump's view. I was with... Okay, so he has his propaganda ministress... Uh, you're going too far, too fast. This is it's- most egregious. Don't worry, this is 3D chess, everyone. 855-453, this is Free Talk Live. Welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you could do so by calling in at 855-453. That's 855-450-3733. And in studio, we're joined by... It's Ian. And I'm your host, Vincent. And I want to talk to you about Intercoin. So Intercoin's team spent the last decade helping communities release apps to unite their members and coordinate social activity. Now, communities can release currencies to coordinate economic activity. They represent a soft but voluntary power, encouraging people to spend the currency on local goods and services that accept it, or to support community 
with small fees when cashing out unused coins. Towns already do this to battle globalism, and festivals can create an extended online community that transacts on their own year-round. Intercoin is attempting to regain some of the freedoms that are threatened on the internet and in meat space. We think that this is important here on Free Talk Live. So important that FTL accepted $40,000 worth of Intercoin tokens from Intercoin Inc. for advertising. If you think freedom is important too, check out Intercoin at intercoin.org. You can invest in this project and potentially make big gains or just be involved and perhaps shape its future. That's I-N-T-E-R... C-O-I-N dot O-R-G, intercoin dot org. So now, Ian, you say you have the Georgia guidelines brought up. Oh, yeah, because Trump's making it sound like, whoa, Georgia's going too far, too fast. We can't. I, I did support it, but now I don't support it. It's too much, too open, too fast, right? Like, that's sort of the idea here. That's the... Yeah, and he'll, he'll, he'll step in, right? The feds will step in if there's anything yeah. egregious. So let's see if there's anything egregious here. Let's see if this just is, this is too much, too far here. Because, again, all these states that are putting out that we're reopening, because I've got the Idaho plan as well, and... Uh, they're they're making it sound like they actually care about business. They're making it sound, see, we care. We're reopening sooner rather than later. But here's the restrictions on restaurants specifically. Okay, this is from WSB, big TV station in Atlanta, Georgia. This is from their website, uh, per the governor's order, which they do link to here. The uh, governor Kemp, Brian P. Kemp, says on his Twitter, This evening I signed an executive order for reviving a healthy Georgia with our plan for the safe reopening of specific sectors of Georgia's economy with limited operations. So, safe specific sector so it's totally centrally planned economy we will decide who gets to reopen we will decide in what way you'll get to reopen and here are the limitations no more than 10 patrons per 500 square feet are allowed inside at once now i think the room we're in here vincent may be like i don't know 20 foot by 10 foot this might be like a 200 square foot room so think about the size of like fucking great. The uh, you know it's a, it's the name of a business. <laughs> fa weird. it's a fa noodle restaurant. Fucking great here in Keene, New Hampshire. I don't think that business is much more than fifteen hundred square feet. I mean, just well, and how how is anyone going to measure that? Like the customer? The, well, I mean, the business the owner, business owner could knows. make sense. I mean, but the police, you know, are the police going to go? They're going to grab a measuring gonna... tape and they're going to, you know, come oh, in. If, if I think if it, the cops will be nice if they use a measuring tape, I'm sure that plenty of them will use just their discretion. Eyeball it, yeah. Uh, no more than ten patrons per five hundred square feet. So restaurants that were packing them in. You're not going to be able to do that anymore. When you open a restaurant, and I'm not an expert at this, but you know it's important how many tables you can fit and how many people are sitting at those tables in the space that you have. This is an important calculation that a restaurateur goes through when deciding what size of a space to open in. Well, now the government's coming in and being like, oh, well, basically you're going to have a tenth of as many people in your restaurant as you previously did. So why even bother? All employees are required to wear masks at all times. Employers must screen and evaluate workers who exhibit signs of illness, such as a fever over 100.4 degrees and a cough or shortness of breath. So now, in addition to having to run a restaurant, you've got to be a little nurse at the same time and make sure you have the medical ability as a restaurateur to screen all your employees when they come in. 
And I got to say, one tenth of the customers means one tenth of the income. The revenue. So how, yeah, That's exactly. Right. So how is this going to help the business? What we're just going to go bankrupt slower? That's it. That's it. And one tenth of the customers also means one tenth of the staff because there's not you don't need as many staff members there to help out a fraction of the customers. And I'm just throwing yeah. one tenth out. It might be one sixth or one. Se- I don't know what. And, it will break and, down and, to. and the more staff they have, the less customers they could have because they take up the space. ten people. Well, no, it says ten patrons per five hundred square foot. Uh, restaurants must post signs that say no one with symptoms of COVID-19 can enter. Oh, my God. Hmm. That's kind of like, we don't want your kind around here. Sounds a little bit like that. Well, well I, I wouldn't go as that far. I mean, like, for so f- for um, for me, I came in here to do a show the other night. Mark commented that I had the sniffles, and it's because mm-hmm. of a change in temperature between inside and going outside. You know, I had to walk. Uh, so does that mean I'm going to get kicked out of a restaurant if I'm having allergies and I sneeze, or if, you know, if I, uh, water goes down the wrong pipe and cough? I mean, that's right. absolutely ridiculous. What if you just were smoking a cigarette outside and came back in, you're coughing from smoking the cigarette? Parties, how will you know if it's a cough that's related to COVID-19 or just somebody having a cough? Party size is limited to no more than six per table. So you want to have a big birthday party? Can't have that in Georgia at a restaurant. Salad bars and buffets are no longer allowed. So if you had a buffet restaurant, you're completely out of business. You no longer can have a buffet. Okay, I guess you could switch to, you know, ordering by per person or whatever, but... Now you don't get to have an all-you-can-eat buffet anymore in Georgia. Well, what's Sorry. the point of view? Because they installed the sneeze guards when HIV was uh, was was prevalent. So now, there's, now there's, there's no point. I mean, yep. Uh, sa- uh, restaurants must use pre-rolled silverware. What does that even mean? Pre-rolled silverware? Are they talking about taking the silverware in the? Are they talking about buying silverware for every customer, or are they talking about, like, plastiware? What does that mean? I think it's like, instead of just having the silverware, and it's just my guess, instead of having the silverware out on the table, or, you know, you hand it, you you know, some restaurants, they have it wrapped in a cloth, right? I I think that's what it means, because it can't be plastic or disposable, because, you know, silverware, but pre-rolled. But there's somebody in the back of the restaurant who's rolling it up in the... In the cloth, oh, or but in the they got to be wearing gloves and a mask. So I guess that's their logic. Ridiculous. Uh, items must be removed from self-service drink, condiment, utensil, and tableware stations. So, like, uh, think about uh, soda fountain, soda fountains, or um, any place like Chipotle, for instance, where you get your uh, you get your food, and then they've got like the little area where you can put some hot sauce on, or you can you know get the salt and pepper packets or whatever. You grab your your fork, you grab your knife. That's all gone. Now workers must provide those items to patrons. So now every time you want to get a bit of salt, every time you want to get uh, another fork, you drop your knife on the floor. Now you got to go wait in a line and talk to somebody behind the the counter and then have them go get it and then hand it to you because you couldn't possibly be trusted to go over and get it yourself. And by then your food's cold. Patrons must be kept separated while waiting to be seated through floor markings or waiting in cars. So if you've got too many people in the little waiting area that uh, the restaurant has, well, they're going to tell you, I'm sorry, sir, we have too many people in this waiting area. You're going to have to wait out in your car or wait outside for us to let you in here. Workers who show signs of illness can't come into work. Employees who have COVID-19 must self-isolate for seven days and be fever-free and symptom-free for three days before coming back to work. Employers must train employees on the importance of frequent hand washing, use of hand sanitizers, and avoiding touching their faces. And finally, for whatever reason, playgrounds must stay closed. Oh, I guess that's like McDonald's or whatever. 
Right. Uh, well, I, I will say, like, the indoor playgrounds, like the ball pits, even before coronavirus, those things, like, my, my parents wouldn't let me go into the ball pit because sure. that's, like, a breeding ground for viruses and all sorts yeah. of gross stuff. But, uh, like, well, like, outdoor playgrounds, they're in the sun, all depending on what part of the country, and they're in the sun all day, so there's no way coronavirus could survive on it. So, I mean, if this is... So does that sound like freedom to you? No, well, no, no, no. I, and this doesn't even sound... And This is what people are saying. Like, people are praising Georgia, they're praising the governor, they're like, right. yeah, he's freedom. leading the country, yeah, freedom. And then, you know, Trump is saying, whoa, whoa, this is too much, we can't do yeah. it, and I'll step in if it's too egregious. And, I mean, if this is agreed, I mean, if this is what he's, like, I'd, if this is what he considers egregious, I'd hate to see what is what, what the feds are okay with. Or if this is what, you know, the business, you know, red state, Georgia, trailblazing, you know, southern pride is doing, I'd hate to see what Vermont or Massachusetts or Connecticut or New California. York. California. Yeah, yeah uh, uh, Washington State, uh, Oregon, California. It's going to be terrible. I mean, it's going to be terrible. a medical authoritarian state and it's not going to let up anytime soon. The phases, uh, by the way, you asked about the federal government. We went over that a few days ago on Free Talk Live. Trump's plan, they've got their guidelines uh, that they've put out. It's very similar to this. It's, I mean, it's like it's taking the economy from life support and just putting a op- like a, a fentanyl IV drip. I mean, it's going to yeah. keep them alive for slightly longer, but it's you're still putting, you know, it's in a, the economy is in a medical tyranny induced coma. It's absolutely sick. And it might cause greater repercussions around the world. Famine, you know, when we come back, famines. Uh, depression, bankruptcy of states. This is Free Talk Live. Remember when you first heard about Bitcoin? How long did it take you to realize this little project would soon change the world? Do you kind of wish you had gotten involved sooner? Well, now is your chance to be part of the next revolution in money. Intercoin is working to finally make crypto go mainstream. It's designed to be scalable enough to support everyday payments and even elections without the state. Bitcoin was originally supposed to be a peer-to-peer cash system, the way we would all pay one another without having to trust any third party. But instead, over time, it mostly became a store of value. That's because every 10 minutes, the Bitcoin network must put all transactions into a block. And that block can only hold so much. If crypto is to become mainstream, for everyone to use it in everyday payments, we need a new architecture. One that's as secure as Bitcoin while being far more scalable. Check out intercoin.org to find out more and maybe pick up some of those coins for yourself. Free Talk Live. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you could do so by calling in at 855-450-FREE. That's 855-450-3733. In studio, we're joined by... It's Ian. And I'm the host, Vincent, and uh, your host, Vincent. And so when I was gone uh, upstairs taking a, taking a break, Ian, I heard you laughing, and I wanted to get a it's genuine a sad reaction. Laughter. It's, it's, a sad it's, it's a laughter. You're crying be- on the inside. Bewilderment and frustration and amazement at the <laughs> insane, tyrannical medical authority nonsense uh, that we're seeing imposed upon people. We just went through a list of things uh, per the WSB report, which is a big TV station in Atlanta, Georgia, summarizing the rules for restaurants to reopen in Georgia starting on Monday. And again, people who don't read the news 
people who don't actually dig into the details, they're going to hear the headlines and be like, hey, freedom, Georgia, freedom, we got restaurants again, all right. But when you actually look at the details, it's going to be like you're eating in a hospital. You got to, and, and by the way, I went through roughly a dozen points with you here, yeah. and it sounded bad, right? Like, you agree with me. Like, this oh, is crazy. Oh, yeah. It was worse than I could even imagine. Right? You, they're going to shut down any buffets. Those aren't allowed. Sal- salad bars gone. Party size limited to more th- no more than six per table. No more than 10 patrons will be allowed per 500 square feet. That's just a brief review. So I pulled up the governor's order itself, and the reality is they actually did a very brief summary of those rules because the actual rules what do we read like a dozen of them here according to starting on page seven of this 26 page order about reopening georgia are the rules for restaurants okay this these are the rules for restaurants and dining services there is 39 points that these businesses have to adhere to in order to be allowed to reopen obviously some of the ones that we've uh you know already gone over here they also didn't list in the wsb report i'm not going to go through them all here but they're talking about teleworking for all possible workers i'm not sure how they they want a server to telework or a chef to telework so i'm not sure what they have in mind there holding all meetings and conferences virtually uh, so we talked about them requiring employees to wear face coverings, discouraging workers from using other workers' phones, desks, offices, or other work tools and equipment. They want to stagger workstations where possible to avoid employees standing adjacent to one another or next to each other. You know, like in the kitchen, where they have to have employees working together to make people's food. Uh, where six feet of separation is not possible, consider spacing options that include other mitigation efforts with increased frequency of cleaning and sanitizing surfaces. It reminds me of some uh, some manufacturing plants have their employees wear bracelets that start to vibrate if they get too close, too close to one another. Yeah. Uh, prohibit handshaking and other unnecessary person-to-person contact in the workplace. You want to pat your buddy on the back because he did a good job? Give him a hug because, you know, he just got broke up with his girlfriend or whatever, right? Like, can't do that anymore. Well, you, you couldn't do that before. You get a visit from HR if you put your hands on any uh, coworker. With their consent, I don't think that would be a problem. Um, but, I mean, I, this just goes on and on and on. Um, and then they've got the restrictions... So a lot of places are saying movie theaters won't open for months and months and months. But Georgia is leading the way. They're going to help movie theaters reopen. And so here are the requirements to reopen your movie theater, according to this. Uh, ooh, where was it? Yeah, okay, movie theaters and cinemas. You shall implement additional measures to prevent the spread of COVID-19. Shall is a legal term that means there's no option. You must. You have to do what they say. Each party of patrons must be seated at least six feet apart. Now, does that mean that I have to, if I'm alone, right? Because I go to these theaters alone sometimes, so I'm a party. Does that mean that... There has to be people six feet away from me, behind me, in front of me, to the left, and to the right of me? Because if that's the case, how many people could sit in a movie theater that could previously seat 
250 people. Oh, a fraction of that. Because the theaters that we have here in Keene, they're not the biggest theaters in the world, but I happen to know that they can hold usually about 250. There's some different size rooms in that theater uh, or in that that building, but, you know, 250 is about a standard. What's it going to be, 20? 30? Now, I mean, to be fair, that theater barely has more than 20 people in it at any given time, uh, but nonetheless. Well, I mean, I don't mind this. I mean, I hate it when people are talking behind me or being obnoxious in the theater. So, I mean, the fewer people in the theater, the better. So, I don't know, maybe I should move to Georgia. At least one usher must be used in each theater room before and at some point during each showing to ensure that proper social distancing protocol is enforced. So, they want an usher to come in and eyeball everybody in the room. Oh. And then come and talk to you if you're sitting too close to somebody else. Seats, armrests, handrails, doors, doorknobs, and door handles in each theater must be thoroughly sanitized before and after each showing. Really? You want somebody to go around to every single seat in the movie theater and sanitize it? What exactly is that going to look like? A lot of these theaters, seats are cloth. Oh, and, and it's not like you eat off the seats either. So, <laughs> right. I mean, at least the handrails, I can understand. The, uh, the, uh, the, the door arm handles. Ra- the armrests. Mm-hmm. So I can understand the armrests. Is there, is there any more to that? Seats, armrests, handrails, doors, doorknobs, and door handles all must be sanitized thoroughly after each showing. Tape must be applied to floors at ticket counters and concession stands to enforce proper social distancing protocol for patrons who are waiting in line. All for something that has a mortality rate, at least according to new studies, of slightly above a bad case of a flu. We gotta restructure the entire economy, gotta restructure the entire, our entire society too, not just the economy. And there's six more, there are four more points. Uh, Just Just to open a, reopen a movie theater. Waiting patiently on the line, we have Sam from Warrington, uh, Missouri. Uh, thank you for waiting. Uh, thank you for the call. What's on your mind? Uh, hey, uh, it's uh, Warrington, uh, Warrington. All right, welcome. Uh, <laughs> uh, no, uh, no, uh, I saw this thing on Facebook mm-hmm. where uh, a guy I know, he's a pastor or whatever, he's talking about this. Uh, there's this gal called Heather E. Stevens. She's a senator out there, and she's trying to make it into law. Like, you know, she's passing a bill where you have to, like, the whole thing where, like, you can do vaccines unless there's a religious thing going on. Um, huh? Basically, just pull, pulling out pulling out that uh religious things don't matter anymore i'm like wait i don't really understand what you're saying you're saying that vaccines cannot be avoided due to religious objections in missouri no uh this is about illinois oh illinois okay so you're saying no they're, they're they're saying that they can go ahead and they're well, they haven't done it yet, but they're trying to pass a bill that says they can go ahead and make vaccines law. And people who don't want that mm-hmm. for religious reasons doesn't matter anymore. 
Thanks for the call. Thanks for a call. That's my God. Right. It took forever to get that out of him. And, and you know, after waiting, I mean, I appreciate the call, but after waiting, you know, that long too, one would think he'd have you know know exactly what he'd want to say. But uh, that's actually a very interesting point. I'm glad he brought that up. I'll have to look into it because now usually people say, oh, well, it's just these you know these these crazy you know fundamentalist Christians who don't want you know don't believe in science and what vaccines. When it's Muslim, you know, it's Muslims, it's Orthodox Jews, uh, it's Christians, and probably plenty of other. Uh, other faiths that are against it because I believe for with Muslims it's because there's like animal DNA in vaccines and with with Jews there's like a human there's um it, you know it, it violates for religious law or at least in the Abrahamic religions um are I don't know may are you of a different non Abrahamic religion and uh, are you against vaccines or are you able to uh, ask for a religious exemption you can call and let us know eight fifty five four fifty three Epson Freedom that's eight five five four five zero three seven three three when we come back. Is Mitch McConnell a libertarian hero? Will he no. finally destroy the... St- <laughs> You're ruining my bit, Ian. Will he finally destroy the state? This is Free Talk Live. All right, welcome back, everyone, to Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves. You do so by calling in at 855-453. That's 855-450-3733. And before we go to the Leo loaded phone lines here, just want to talk about Freedoms Phoenix. Now, Freedoms Phoenix is a liberty-oriented news aggregation site. Do you want the newest and freshest stories and perspective on current events from those who value liberty? Freedomsphoenix.com has it. Verdaily Dispatch is the best way to stay up to date on science, technology, historical findings, liberty news, government overspending, and the rise of a police state. Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. That's Freedoms with an S, Phoenix.com. And so now on the AMP-only call-in line, we go to James Hell. Thank you for the call. What's on your mind? Well, hear me out here. I think you'll get what I'm saying in the end. At first, I loved this face mask thing. You I, love it. It was, it was my idiot test. So when I'd go in the store and I wanted to get through something, I'd grab the teller or talk to whoever that didn't have the mask on. Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> and it proved pretty good for a long time, but now all these stores are implementing mandatory masks. Right. Although Aria did point out that uh, she's using a religious exemption to avoid wearing the masks. Well, tomorrow we're going to get a little test in our household as my girlfriend works at a big box store like a Walmart. Mm-hmm. And they're implementing it as of tomorrow and she refuses. Wow. So I told her to go with the health aspect with the asthma. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and medical or religious <laughs> exemptions are available from what I understand. <clears throat> It's not a law here. I'm in Michigan, which is bad enough. Believe it or not, it's not a law. It's just the store follows what Walmart does. Mm -hmm. And Walmart did it. Yeah. So we'll see. She's somewhat union. It's not much of a union. But but yeah, I I lost my idiot test in society there for a while. That's frustrating. (laughs) Oh, You say it's not a law. There are a lot of states where it's governor's orders. And under these emergency orders, any violation of those orders is considered a misdemeanor charge. So basically, yeah. anything the governor says becomes law, which is the, you know, it's, it's a violation it's of total the, tyranny. This yeah. is something that kings would do. Oh, right, totally anti-American. Me, we're, yeah, in Michigan here, we are fighting that tooth and nail. I mean, right. I think from where I'm at, I'm in a smaller area. It's 
I've noticed traffic has seriously increased. Regular business has increased. People are just done with it. Uh, did you, uh, out of curiosity, did you attend the uh, Operation Gridlock rally last week? No, that's a good six, seven hours for me. I couldn't make it. <laughs> oh, well, I, I don't blame you. Well, God, thank you why for... would you want to drive seven, drive seven hours just to sit in traffic for two hours? I mean, that's a terrible plan. That's a good point. Well, thank you for the call, and uh, please do uh, call again when uh, if, if any uh, development happens with your girlfriend uh, at work. Good luck with She's that. She's refusing the masks. Yeah. So now we go waiting patiently on the phone lines. We have Dave from New Hampshire. A welcome. Thank you for your patience. What's on your mind? Yeah, uh, Regina Barnes is, is, I think, a New Hampshire Senate candidate, and she posts frequently on the NH Exit uh, group. And she had some interesting, something interesting from Hampton to report, Hampton, New Hampshire. She says, quote, last night at the Hampton NH Board of Selectmen meeting, our police chief had reported that domestic violence calls have gone from one in 2019 to 15 in 2020, an increase of 1,400%. In my view, the longer we keep the economy closed, the worse this statistic will get, unquote. Yeah, now people that have really crappy relationships have to be around each other all the time. <laughs> That's going to work out great. You know, the liberals' heads must be exploding when they're like, I thought, I, I thought we were supposed to be working on keeping women away from their awful men you know, who were abusing them. Now we're supposed to be forcing them to be with their awful men? Well, now, let, let's not be gendered about it, or vice versa. I'm sure there's plenty of men who are going out of control with... Uh, you mean going, going out of Vermont. Plenty of men going out of out of their minds if they have, uh, like, emotionally abused... Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to stereotype women, but... They're physically abusive yeah, women. Emo- exactly, yeah, and as there's emotionally abusive men. So it's an absolute uh, awful situation. Anything else you'd like to add, Dave? That's all. Thanks for the call. Thank you for the call. So now we go to Matthew in Meadow, Louisiana, who's been waiting patiently. Uh, thank you for the call. What's on your mind? So the whole purpose of this thing was to flatten the curve, right? Yes. That's what they claim. Well, yeah. Well, that curve is now stomped out of existence. There are hospitals. I mean, we wanted to make sure that the hospitals weren't overwhelmed. Well, now there's hospitals laying off staff. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I think we've achieved this goal. We're good now. No, no, we got to just barely let people go back to work and impose a, cr- a crap ton of uh, medical restrictions oh, on no, them. Oh, no, 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 Ian. If you let anyone go back to work, then the death toll is going to rise again. It's going to be like, an, uh, what do they call it, a W curve? It's going to be a W oh, curve. God. Right, well, yeah, uh, Bolsonaro is starting to look a lot more sane to me than a lot of people give him credit for. Yep. As well as, oddly enough, the government of Sweden. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, the new home of Ancapistan. No, no. Well, we haven't no, talked no. a lot about it yet, but yeah, apparently uh, a lot of their rules are voluntary in Sweden, and they're not. Uh, in a, there's a headline here from CNBC from yesterday. Sweden resisted a lockdown, and its capital is expected to reach herd immunity within weeks. Yeah. A stopped clock huh. could be right twice a day. Yeah, but isn't Sweden yeah, they, one of the top uh, economically free uh, countries out there? Yeah, but I uh, well, I, I don't know about that, but I've seen uh, all sorts of other awful things that their government does. Where it's well, like, all governments it's like do a, awful yeah, things. I mean, especially awful. It's like a kindergarten is running the country. Uh, anything else you'd like yeah. to add, Matthew? No, I was just... Um... You're saying the stop clock is uh, right twice a day. Well, Bolsonaro is a clock with 
the misplaced hands, but apparently he's right about this one too. Uh, if what? you look at the numbers. Oh, the numbers out of Brazil, you mean? Mm. Yeah. What's well, very interesting. Uh, thank you for the call. Yeah, I, I was. Um, I think it was on. Uh, thank you for the call. It was on. I think it might have been on. On. Uh, I was. I was watching the news and said, uh, "Yeah, it was on Tucker Carlson show where Sweden had. I think it was like slightly more deaths, maybe comparatively, since they didn't totally shut everything down. But now they're you know they're recovering, as you said, with a herd immunity. Their economy is not in shambles. Not in shambles. And By the way, I was confusing them with Switzerland. It's Switzerland that's number five on the Heritage Foundation's list. Sweden's at 22. 22, and the United States is what? 17. 17. Oh, okay, all right. So, geez. So, the United States as a whole, that's on the list, is slightly freer than... Yeah, and this is just economic freedom rankings. Economic freedom. Well, I mean, yeah, okay. So, that, that makes sense. I, I was really going to, you know, I mean, defending Sweden. So, here, I'll just begin this. McConnell said, this is from Bloomberg.com, so now we have, is is uh, Mitch McConnell the hero that libertarians, what is it, the, uh, the hero that they deserve, that they need, but don't deserve? McConnell says he favors letting states declare bankruptcy. Now, Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell said Wednesday, he's a guy who looks like a turtle for, for people who don't know, and he sounds like an effeminate foghorn leghorn. Mitch McConnell said Wednesday he favors allowing states struggling with high public employee pension costs amid the blue states uh, mainly amid the burdens of a pandemic response to declare bankruptcy rather than giving them a federal bailout. And he gives and it's interesting that I've normally a lot of so he's getting a lot of flack for this. Right. And uh, despite the turtle jokes, Mitch McConnell is for once finally showing a backbone. Right. Even he has Trump against him. And we'll get into his reasonings. For why, plus your calls at 855-453-F is in freedom. This is Free Talk Live. My dogs do puppy zoomies around the house, so I will always endorse Dynavite. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Why wait? Save your dog from being stinky and having hot spots and shedding and making sure that they have the proper nutrition. Get them started early. I mean, your dogs will love you for it. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite at D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Yeah, come on. Welcome back, everyone. This is Free Talk Live Radio, where you control the airwaves, which you can do so by calling in at 855-453. That's 855-450-3733. And in studio, we're joined by... It's Ian. And I'm Vincent. And, gosh, it's always... You know, I'm so... Uh, it's sort of awkward reading the Forkfest reads when there is a chance that it, it might not be possible for it to happen... At, at least at the in, intended location, although I, I do have some hope, right? As I said, with the title of today's episode, we're at a America is at a quarantine crossroads here with this coronavirus because, as we said, you know, the most lit recent studies from both the East Coast, New York, and the West Coast, um, Los Angeles, says that the, at least from the antibody studies, the mortality rate is slightly higher than the seasonal flu. So I think that if people continue. To like not if if the lockdown isn't eased out if it's increased after despite that I know those are initial initial studies but I mean I think there's something to them then uh, I think things are just going to get worse if people put up with that uh, but uh, regardless 
You could join liberty-minded voluntarists, anarchists, and libertarians from June 29th until July 5th for ForkFest 2020 at Rogers Campground in the beautiful White Mountains of New Hampshire. ForkFest happens the week after the Porcupine Freedom Festival, and ForkFest is decentralized, which means no one is in charge. That also means there's no ticket cost. Just reserve your camping RV site or motel room with Rogers Campground for June 29th until July 5th. Where better to celebrate Independence Day than around other freedom-loving activists in the Shire? You can simply relax and go camping with other liberty lovers, or you can create whatever experience or event you'd like others to have. If you're planning an event for ForkFest, be sure to let others know in advance. You can connect with other ForkFesters via the unofficial Telegram chat or the ForkFest forum. Links to those are on the unofficial website, ForkFest.party. That is ForkFest.party. So now, Ian, uh, you have Sweden's ranking on the Freedom Index. Yeah, I remember we uh, were looking at, well, the question was, why is Sweden so different? What's going on? They're, uh, they're reaching herd immunity, apparently, within a few weeks because they didn't mandate that everybody locked down it was more of a voluntary thing uh making suggestions who knew that like you could suggest things and people might listen uh it was the economic freedom rankings that we gave earlier and they were at like 21 or something like that of all the 180 plus countries uh and that was the heritage foundation cato does the human freedom index so human freedom looks at both uh, personal and economic freedom to combine those two together for a total human freedom score on that ranking is the 2017 numbers that's the newest ones because always trail a couple years back because yes. they got to run these numbers uh sweden is at number 11 for overall human freedom compared to the united states at number 15 now sweden actually rose three points on that three positions on that chart meaning that it was at number 14 previously in 2016 so it's actually becoming more free as compared to the other countries and the other interesting thing here is i'm looking at so they give you a breakdown of how they get the score so there's the personal freedom score and the economic freedom score sweden is actually if you rank by just personal freedom at least I'm looking at the top 100 or so countries here, or 50 or so. Sweden is the most personally free country on the entire planet, according to this ranking, with a score of 9.45 out of a potential 10. Uh, There are some others that scored over 9, but nothing quite as close well, that's, uh, Sweden. Ve- that's very interesting. I'm going to have to check into that. And uh, you said that's from a Cato Institute. Cato you know, Institute. Now, now, Cato Institute's well known for being founded and run by the Koch, fa- you know, the Koch yes. brothers. I don't trust those bastards for a second, so I'm going to have to well, look at it. Well, there's 400 plus pages in this study. If you'd uh, like to okay, I'll, um, I was, I, so I'll, uh, I'll check that out. So now we go to Waiting Patiently. David from New Mexico is on the air. Uh, thank you for calling. What's on your mind? Yeah, so a few weeks ago, free, on your program, Freedom, or I'm sorry, Sweden would be. Uh, uh, in fun to watch is what I said, and so, mm-hmm. and so it is. And um, uh, New Mexico here, another fun one to watch. You can find this in the national news. Picked it up. Mayor of oh, I, I had said on radio stations the last couple of weeks here. I, I called in, and I, and and the hosts got mad at me because they're kind of towing the line. But I I would say, and a lot of people in New Mexico, uh, there there's a lot of. Uh, people in government that actually listen to what people are saying on the radio station, then you'll find telltale signs that they heard what you said on social media. But I, I kept saying, uh, small business owners, if, if you want your businesses to be open, just go to them and open them. And the host mm-hmm. would get mad at me because 
their, the radio station's management, like the, the radio station you talked about earlier, was cracking down on them to get their host, their honor host, to toe the toe the line. Really? To be, uh, yeah, yeah. And then, and this was the major stations, obviously, in, in the in the New Mexico market. And and so the the hosts, we could tell, were getting a little irritated with me saying that. And then a- after I said it the first time, and I'm not saying that I get credit because you know everybody thinks alike. That's when that gun gun store caliber is opened back up and filed their lawsuit. And today, here's the new one. And it's in, in the mayor of uh, Grants, New Mexico. If you search him, Martin Hicks, the the, Fed, the the U.S. News picked it up and the Washington Times picked it up. But the best is to go to the local TV stations in New Mexico because they got the video of them interviewing him because he's a real character. And he's defying the uh, governor's order to keep the small businesses closed. He says, he says, uh, I'm, I'm going to bring back the whole uh, the 100 city or 80 city employees, and, and I'm going to tell all the, the city businesses to feel free to open back up again because, uh, you know, what's she going to do to us? She's killing us, she's killing us anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and, you know, he, so he's kind of fun to watch him say that. But uh, so on Monday, uh, that's when the city of Grants is going to, the city of Grants, New Mexico, is going to open up in defiance of the governor's order. Good. And the city, the city cops are not going to enforce it, obviously. And the county that he lives in, the sheriff said he's not going to do anything about it. So it's all up to the New Mexico State Police to ride in horseback and mm. arrest the mayor of Grants, New Mexico, if they want to do anything about it. But it's worth looking. It's worth uh, searching. Uh, uh, Mayor Martin Hicks, uh, city of Grants, New Mexico, and and watch him say it in his own words. It's That's awesome. Fun. All right. Well, thank you for the call. We'll uh, keep be us monitoring. in the loop on that. Yeah, I want to know how that goes. Absolutely. Yeah, that's. Uh, that, I mean, that's that's good uh, to see that. Uh, unfortunately, we don't see that here in New Hampshire. You know, the free estate, uh, you know, although yeah, the Hampshire's people are different than the politician. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you finally admitted it, Ian. Uh, but hopefully, one day, maybe. Well, no, it's been that way. It's uh, live free or die is just a slogan. It doesn't actually apply. No, no, absolutely not. It's a state of mind. So, um, let's see here. This is uh, Mitch McConnell's plan to destroy the state government. Uh, uh-huh. McConnell, yes. Yeah, so he said. Um, so and he's he's getting a lot of flack for this because there's several uh, sta- many states that are they they face a lot of unfunded liabilities, right? And that's where a lot of states are in debt because they have all these like pension programs because right. you know unions and such. And uh, so Mitch McConnell's quote says, I would certainly be in favor of allowing states to use a bankruptcy route, he said Wednesday in response to a question on the syndicated Hugh Hewitt radio show. It saves some cities and there's no good reason for it not to be available. The host cited California, Illinois and Connecticut as states that had given too much to public employee unions. And McConnell said he was reluctant to take on more debt for any rescue. You raise yourself the important issue of what the states have done. Many of them have done to themselves with her pension programs. He said, there's not going to be any desire on the Republican side to bail out state pensions by borrowing money from future generations. Now, if her corporations are Republicans, are fine borrowing money mm-hmm. for future generations. And so, I mean, he does bring up an interesting point where uh, the states did this to themselves because it's not coronavirus it's it's i mean the coronavirus is more of a is maybe the instigating factor for why these states are facing bankruptcy but it was it was, it's only a matter of it was only a matter of time well until states like illinois and massachusetts uh or not massachusetts but connecticut per- michigan and california have had these bankruptcy issues for a long time and so for you and yeah and, and so uh for using the coronavirus as basically just as an excuse so they could get a, get a bailout for their own bad behavior. Uh, McConnell's remarks drew a biting response from state and local officials. New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy, and Phil Murphy's been one of the most tyrannical people, uh, governors regarding this, up there with, um, up there with the Michigan governor. Mm-hmm. 
said he was stunned by McConnell's comments, which he called completely and utterly irresponsible. Okay, well, who's irresponsible here, right? And, you know, it'd be... The states that spent themselves into oblivion with unfunded liabilities, mm. and they spent more than they could uh, provide, or the politician who says we're not going to bail you, we're not going to bail you out for once, right? You have uh, politicians at least using the taxpayer. States do as I say, not as I do. Because the federal government's just as bad. Uh, yeah, they yeah, can print yeah the absolutely. Money, I mean, and now uh, they don't like responsibility. This is. Welcome back, everyone. Final segment of Free Talk Live, but worry not, your little hearts one bit. We will be back 7 p.m. tomorrow, every week, actually, every every day of the week, mm-hmm. 7 p.m. Eastern, Free Talk Live, and we could do it all again. And uh, I'd like to, but it, I want to thank some of the people who make this broadcast possible. I want to thank our gold amplifier chip. Want to thank you for his name's Chip. You mean Chip? Yes. Okay. I want to thank yes Chip, not Gold Chip Amplifier. Right. That's, that's something else. We have the Gold Amplifier Chip, who consistently was it? What do the uh, Gold Amplifiers donate, Minister Freeman? Oh, uh, that's ten bucks a month. Ten bucks a month. So consistently does that. It helps keep the lights on. Helps keep the show going. And we always greatly appreciate it. And if you'd like to join and support the show and be an amplifier and get your name read on the air or maybe not if you prefer to stay anonymous then you could go to amp.freetalklive.com in order to sign up for the amp program there's different tiers there's um was versus there's, there's, uh, silver gold platinum and that's amp.freetalklive.com thank you so much chip and uh, now we go to the phones. Last minute caller. Here we go to Stan from Cincinnati. Thank you for your call. What's on your mind? Well, uh, you got you boys got me going here, and I have a statement to make, and perhaps okay. you can uh, add to it if you like. Absolutely. Uh, you know the phrases "unalienable rights" and "shall not be infringed." Now, arbitrarily unalienable rights and arbitrarily shall be infringed for the you know for for, for the best of the public whatever it is, you know, for the public good. Who decides? I mean, Who decides what is the public good? Exactly. That's my point. And uh, the meaning of the Constitution has been adulterated by the phrase national emergency, mm-hmm. the public good, the very meaning and intent of the Constitution has been permanently changed as the default for tyrants, it seems to me. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because uh, as um, people, you know, freedom ain't free. And it was was Thomas Jefferson, one of the founding fathers himself, said that the tree of liberty has to be watered with the blood of patriots and tyrants alike. And uh, people just slipped into a like a lull, right? Because we, you know, these distractions. We have the TV. You know, we have all the food we want. We have all the pornography we'd want. All the entertainment. And politicians went from being stewards of a country and caretakers to being these like santa claus right for promising all this stuff you know every year instead of a president saying i'm just going to manage a country make sure you know the freedoms are protected they say oh if you vote for me i'm going to give you this free stuff and they start buying votes with the treasury and it's you know going up against the system is too hard and so i mean I, i'm tempted to say i don't blame people for losing their freedom but no that's wrong i 100 percent blame them for losing that freedom um anything else you'd like to add well i was i've, I've noticed how there's people um, demonstrating across america and they're and they're basically waking up to the idea that 
you cannot just let these people just tell you uh, that your your rights no longer exist, and uh, as a matter of for the, the welfare of the United States of America. I mean, but are absurd. they waking up? I don't know. I think the people who are demonstrating, I mean, having been to one of them, Vincent and I, we were both uh, attending at a 400-person strong demonstration here in the, over the weekend here in New Hampshire. Um, are people waking up or are these the people who are already awake enough to be able to tell that this is – wrong what these government goons are doing to us and who are willing to not only who can not only identify that it's wrong but are willing to do something about it because there are the ones who can identify that it's wrong but are too afraid to do anything about it there are the ones who can identify that it's wrong and are willing to do something about it although at this point they're just protesting there's not much more that they've done um, and then there's all of those who think it's right there's all those people who are begging for this, who want more of it, who love this idea of social distancing and being told uh, you know, how they need to run their businesses and safety precautions and cleaning mandates and all this crap. Right. There's a lot of people out there that want the, the state to take care of them as opposed right. to going out and making their own way through uh, and creating their reality, you know, having a yep. business and so forth. They, they would prefer to have somebody, the nanny state, come in and take care of them. Tell them when they're, you know, uh, we'll take care of you. I'm the government. We're here to help you and so forth. Which is horrifying. Um, uh, thank you for the call, Stan. Uh, yeah, I think points, those people are the points. super. Ma- they seem to be the super majority. And so, it's sad. And so before uh, I just want to finish up here, I want to read the statement, the rest of a statement from the New Jersey governor regarding uh, was it Mitch McConnell f- threatening essentially to. Uh, not bail them out. Yeah, yeah. To lay, yeah, yeah. Not not pay for their own bad financial decisions. So he says, um, "Quote: He's dead wrong. You have my word. We won't go bankrupt." He said, "Without cash to states," Murphy said, "Governors will be forced to quote gut the living daylights out of every state of America, slashing oh, boy, s- slashing budgets and <laughs> eliminating the services people need." So basically, you know, balancing. They're going to be forced to balance the budget and be fiscally responsible, right. which they, they should have done been doing the entire time. Yeah. And now you have build them new, but they don't have to because there's no penal- there's no penalty for politicians for running the state apparatus into the ground oh, absolutely no not. They, they have the offshore accounts they have their own pension oh <laughs> maybe pensions might not be worth much soon uh you have mm. new york which which is unfortunate because you know people work work for them but uh it's 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 a gamble you know when you try it's like de- working for the government is like making a deal with the devil uh new york mayor bill de blasio also a democrat tweeted that mcconnell quote wants police officers to lose their jobs he wants firefighters right. to go broke he wants hospitals to close and sick people thrown out into this onto the street this is always so, what they say whenever there's some sort of budgetary crisis they always focus on cutting what they consider to be the these sort of like essential jobs first when the reality is the the police are the last group that'll get cut and and the police the police not- notably hate bill de blasio and he hates them too at least in new york so it's funny that he's using them as a Wait, shield wasn't this bill, phil murphy from new jersey uh, no the, the next the oh, next sorry, statement is bill that. de blasio and uh, so i mean hey you know if, if this is what mitch mcconnell wants to do forget that other loser they were talking about how about the libertarian party run mitch mcconnell as their presidential no, uh, candidate no, please don't do that um i'd it, much rather have john mcafee well, yes, and I'm talking about what was it, the, the other guy from the from the from the state. Jeez, I forgot his name, and I did an article. The, the other guy who's the independent now from Michigan. I don't know. Yeah, he's a loser, anyways. Um, so now this this is important. Well, actually, I'll just say, speaking of quote libertarian senators, I just want to read the statement for Rand Paul, which is you know um, he says no amount of bailout dollars will stimulate an economy that is being strangled by quarantine. It yep. is not a lack of money that plagues us, but a lack of commerce. 
so the lack of freedom to do the commerce yeah. yeah exactly yeah so i mean obviously Rand paul isn't perfect think of what you will of him but at least for well, he someone got some lessons from his dad oh yeah so at, at least for someone in the senate yeah. um with some sanity so now this is i i hate to end on a bad note but this is from the New York Post talking about coronavirus crisis could cause biblical famines, UN official says. Oh, boy. The coronavirus plague could spur. Well, I mean, well, I, I should amend this due to the shutdown, right? It's not like the coronavirus right. is going to kill the crops. Yeah. The coronavirus plague, plague could spur, quote, multiple famines of biblical proportions across the world if urgent action isn't taken now, a UN official said this week. World Food Program Executive Director David Beasley delivered the warning to the UN Security Council Tuesday. Well, forgive me for speaking bluntly, but I'd like to lay out for you very clearly what the world is facing at this very moment, Beasley said. At the same time, while dealing with a COVID-19 pandemic, we are also on the brink of a hunger pandemic. Millions of civilians living in conflict-scarred nations are being, quote, pushed to the brink of starvation amid the crisis, with famine a very real and dangerous possibility, he said. The World Food Program has already warned that 135 million people across the world are facing crisis levels of hunger or worse, but for updated projections during the pandemic, nearly double that number. That's in addition to the 821 million people already chronically hungry, Beasley said. Lockdowns and economic recessions will likely lead to a major loss of income among the working poor, he said. So these are people yeah. who are living in the third world who are making like a dollar a day or at worst a dollar a week, and they spend all their money on food. And so in the U.S., we're seeing some bare shelves, which could be supply line issues. Got to say, the truckers in this country are the unsung heroes because there's, yep. there's who's keeping the shelves stocked and we're just working tough. So anyways, truckers out there, we, uh, we salute God you. God has blessed those folks, man. They're awesome. The situation is most concerning in countries across Africa and the Middle East because the virus threatens further damage to the, li- the response of a virus, but this is what right. the guy's saying. And yeah, that's what all these news media stories, they all blame, well, COVID-19, blah, blah, blah. No, it was the response by these government goons. That's what's doing this damage and the fact that people go along with it. That's the problem. In a worst-case scenario, we could be looking at famine in about three dozen countries. And in fact, in 10 of these countries, we already have more than 1 million people per country who are on the verge of starvation, he told the council. While there are no famines at this point, Beasley said preparedness is key. But I must warn you that if we don't prepare and act now to secure a cross, avoid funding shortfalls and disruptions to trade, we could be facing multiple famines of biblical proportions within a few short months. I do believe that with our expertise and partnerships, we can bring together the teams and the programs necessary to make COVID-19 Make certain the COVID-19 pandemic does not become a humanitarian and food crisis You are not going to centrally plan your way out of this problem. No, and plenty of, plenty of these places, they don't trust the UN, right? Just look into all the, all the atrocities the UN quote, peacekeepers have done, oh, yeah. all the scams the UN has run. So, I mean, Central planning caused this problem, and they're not going to centrally plan their way out of it. But that's what they're going to try. It's going to be so a disaster. I'm hoping that America wakes up to this tyranny and things go back to normal, but I, I have my doubts. Anyway, so uh, thank you everyone so much for listening. Tune in again, 7 p.m. Eastern to free talk live looking for a great real estate investment consider new hampshire which is ground zero for the liberty movement your first call should be to mark warden from porcupine real estate he's more than just a real estate agent he's your new hampshire concierge where are the best places to live do you want farms, city the burbs or forest do you want a duplex or multifamily building so that renters pay your mortgage there are homes in all price ranges in new hampshire and mark can help with financing too invest in liberty and property mark warden can help PorcupineRealEstate.com Find out about your common law rights. Move about the land freely in your personal conveyance or on foot. Know what to say if stopped by a man or woman in a costume and proceed safely on your way. Also, find out how to lawfully keep all the money you make free of tax. 
Protect your liberty and freedoms in a peaceful and lawful way by adding William Stenson 60 at yahoo.com to your Skype contacts. And let's talk free on Skype. That's William Stenson 60 at yahoo.com.